Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It is great to be with you today on this Friday, June 24th, 2022. It'll be a day that is remembered by a lot of people as the day the Supremes, as expected, overturned Roe versus Wade. The decision that came out from Samuel Alito representing the majority of the court pretty similar to the draft opinion that came out a while ago, so it's pretty much what we thought. And we're going to talk about this today, the impact of that nationally and also locally. One of the things I want to say from the start, one of the things we want to do on our program here in Southern California Live, I'm Scott Furrow, by the way, if I didn't say that before, great to be your host. And even on a day like today, it's great to be here because there is so much emotion, so many things being said, but I want to challenge you this way. A lot of things being said on the left and the right are wrong. A lot of things being said about what this means is wrong, about the impact of it is wrong. And we want to get right about that. There are different issues nationally. There's a big difference in what it means for us in California versus some other states. And I think that as believers, we need to think about how we're going to respond, and particularly the way that we respond today with the people that God has placed in our life to represent Christ to. And There are a lot of people who are emotional, a lot of different things to consider. And so we want to consider all of those things. We want to encourage you today on the program not to participate in uh, any violence that might go on either side in responding to, you know, there's a day of rage apparently that is planned. How do you plan a day of rage? I don't think you can plan that. I plan to be outraged tomorrow about something. However, you can plan to do some bad things, and we'll take a look at some of the things people said and kind of go through them so that we can be truthful, but we really have to look at this as a day where certainly for those of us like myself who believe that the unborn child has constitutional rights and has a right to life, that today is a a day where something has been achieved, you know, that really my entire life people have been wanting to see this day happen. But we also need to recognize that it doesn't mean what a lot of people think it means. You know, abortion is not illegal in the United States everywhere. It will be mostly illegal in maybe half the states, but in some states it will be just as legal as ever, including right here in California, where even more uh, abortion rights will be given here pretty soon. And uh, so we want to talk about that today, and uh, we'll take your calls a little bit later. First, I have a guest with us today. I have Jonathan Keller of California Family Council. And uh, Jonathan, welcome to our program today. Hello. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is quite a day, uh, isn't it? Yes, it's really remarkable. i got to be honest with you. I, um, I Part of me hasn't even really fully sunk in yet. I, I've told several other people with interviews today that I first started my involvement with the pro-life movement as a 14-year-old uh, high school student, a freshman in high mm. school, and that was 25 years ago, and now Roe v. Wade is no more. It, it literally did not make it to 50, and right. it's, uh, I mean, even just saying that out loud is almost uh, beyond belief. Yeah, it's a, it's a complete, I've been having the same feeling, I guess. It's that I, I've expected this to happen, especially after the Alito case, and I think that we've if you've been following along, kind of seen this coming for a while. Uh, but now that it's here, um, you know, I think we just have to feel about it. So in, in your thinking about it, you know, what is the, the next step? What do you think the response should be today from people who are 
um, happy that Roe has been overturned? Well, I think it's going to be very important, a couple of things. Number one, I saw a phenomenal quote uh, from Dr. Robbie George. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Some of your listeners might be familiar with him. He's a professor from Princeton. He's uh, very pro-life, probably one of the few deeply pro-life individuals from Princeton. And he had, I I think, just a great example of the tone that we should strike uh, in this moment. Um, He actually reminded us of President Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address. And the idea that after President Lincoln won, the uh, Civil War is in its waning days and weeks, uh, President Lincoln did not spike the football, so to speak. He didn't gloat in the face of the South. He didn't uh, rub their noses in it, so to speak. But he had that famous phrase, um, with malice towards none, but charity towards all. Yes. Um, that's, I think, the real motive that we should have as we move forward. And Uh, Again, to quote Dr. George, he said, let us not exult over those of our fellow citizens, good people who are sincerely concerned about women's welfare, who see the demise of Roe as a disaster. Uh, Instead, let us highly resolve to build a nation that honors the profound, inherent dignity of all, a nation that cares for all its children at every stage and for mothers and families. We will never be perfect, but we can be better and we can work together. And that's my hope for the pro-life movement, is that we would, we would celebrate, we would rejoice, we would thank the Lord for this, this miraculous day, but we would also remember that we still have a lot of work to do, and right. hopefully we can, we can work together, even with those across the aisle. I think that is a great word because we, there is a lot more work to do. This isn't the, the end of the game. And, and what I like to point out a lot, and I think you are on this page too with the California Family Council, is people's hearts have to change. That's what changes things ultimately. And, um, oh, absolutely. And that's a big piece is how I, I we treat that, each other. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, that's, I think the key is really treating people with love and dignity and respect and, Realizing that, um, especially in the state of California here, uh, we're not going to be seeing the end of abortion here in our state anytime really soon. We're still going to be facing a, a long road ahead. And tragically, we've seen comments from Governor Newsom today and from his wife and from the other legislators that were there present. Um, they not only are pushing back against the Supreme Court decision, but many of them have made comments saying they want to turn abortion into a sanctuary state for the entire nation when it comes yeah. to abortion. California. Yes. Right. And Yeah. And I think that is a reality for uh, those of us here in California is that uh, the laws uh, have not changed as far as California is concerned. And so this discussion and our approach to life is something that has to go ongoing, but we're going to have to change. What would you say are our thoughts about this? How do we change this in California moving forward? Well, I do think it's going to be very important for us to expand upon the work that so many great organizations have already been doing. Uh, We have groups like pregnancy care centers. We have maternity homes. We have Christian ministries that are coming alongside men and women facing unplanned pregnancies and are working hard to provide resources, to provide support. I know here in Central California, where my wife and I live, um, there are some great ministries that work to provide 
parents' uh, training. They have child care classes. They have uh, parenting classes and uh, formula, diapers, baby clothes. They really do work to be the hands and feet of Christ and to provide opportunities to, to love and serve those women. And honestly, that's going to be needed in some ways more than ever, because we know California is going to just intensify their efforts to promote abortion, and I think it's going to be that much more incumbent on uh, people who claim to be pro-life that uh, we have to redouble our efforts. We have to continue to push back on the culture of death. Yes, I agree with that uh, completely, that the Church needs to, um, I can't think of a better phrase, but put their money where their mouth is, in a sense, not just their money, uh, but their hands and feet. Yeah. And to, uh, yeah, to, you know, it's funny. That's the exact phrase I've used with several other uh, several other folks today. Is we, we really need, do need to put our money where our mouth is. That's right. So for a lot of us who have wanted to see this day, the time now more than ever is to to be involved. And in in your town and every town that we're thinking about, there's a lot of different places that really need our help. Adoption agencies, uh, pregnancy counseling clinics. Let's talk about the clinics for a minute because the clinics are are under attack. The pro life clinics are uh, under physical attack, and they'll be under verbal attack now. What are some of the best ways that we can help um, really get out there and support women who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy? Well, sadly, you're right. We've seen that, on the one hand, we have our friends on the left that have been attacking pro-life advocates and saying, what have you ever done to help women? You don't really care. You don't want to support women. Then, on the other hand, they're also trying to attack and vandalize, uh, spray paint, in some cases even firebomb the very places that are doing the things they are complaining about. Um, right. I think that it's actually incumbent upon all of our friends, again, on the other side of the aisle, if you claim to be pro-choice, if you're upset about this decision today, I, I sincerely hope that at a bare minimum, you will denounce violence. You will reject some of the vandalism and the uh, real intimidation that we've seen from radical abortion activists. And and look, I don't think that every person that um, has maybe conflicted feelings about abortion or every person that even claims to be pro-choice, I don't think every one of them is a is a violent extremist. But mm-hmm. you, if you if you do uh, denounce this violence, it's incumbent upon you to say so. You can't be silent right now, because the the extremists on the pro-abortion side are absolutely enraged, and I I do worry that you could see more violence coming in the next few days and weeks. Yeah, and I know that it's true. I've I've touched base today with uh, some people I know in the police departments in Los Angeles and in uh, San Diego. And uh, there are some people in L.A. who are on edge, just kind of wondering what's coming. San Diego is getting prepared and didn't have anything specific. There are some specific things in Los Angeles. So we need to pray um, that this doesn't get violent. You know, the people can protest. They have that right. And they can protest peacefully through these things, but we need to pray against the violence. And I would encourage anybody listening to not participate and especially to not get violent back. Um, That just lowers you down to the same level uh, when those things happen. So, Jonathan, I I, I 100% I'm sorry, I I 100% agree with you on that. I think it's we are people of peace, and 
people who identify as pro-life, we have to uh, turn the other cheek and we have to be respectful and loving. We should never be engaged in, um, you know, retribution or anything like that. Um, but I, I do think it's a, it's very important for us to try to just um, de-escalate some of these situations and find ways to engage in a loving, respectful manner. Yeah, and that begins with people that we know, conversations that maybe we're going to have today over the next few days, especially with people who are upset in our families, people who are close to us, people we work with, people that we sit across in, from, in school who might have a very different opinion. What would you say are some ways that we can help lower the, the intensity uh, just in our response to people? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think one thing, again, that's so important for us to do is for all those people that are very nervous today, they're afraid, um, many of the questions that I've received from other pro-choice advocates today are wondering what other rights may be at stake or what other mm. issues are on the uh, on the ballot. Um, I really would just try to bring this issue back to the cause of abortion and say that the reason people have been working for so long to oppose Roe v. Wade and they've been working for so long to see this decision overturned is that in the last 49 years, it's been over 60 million precious unborn human persons that have lost their lives. And the fact that finally now, it doesn't mean that uh, that is going to stop everywhere across the country tomorrow, but it does mean that today, there is actually now an opportunity for these children to be given a right to life. And I think just reiterating to anybody that we're speaking with, um, this is not about controlling women's bodies. This is not about forcing people to become pregnant. You know, I, I, we've seen some of the silly right. comments, uh, especially during the elections, about the handmaid's tale or things like that. Uh, right. This really is about trying to protect life and trying to love people that are facing an unplanned pregnancy. So I think the best thing we can do right now is be positive and be proactive. And I would even say if, uh, if you're not currently a donor or a volunteer with a local pregnancy resource center, there's, there's over 150 of these life-affirming centers around the state, um, find your nearest one, make a donation, even if it's $20, $50, $100, Find a way that you can get involved. Go go buy some baby formula or some diapers and go make a donation. Um, don't just uh, don't just post on Twitter, <laughs> don't just right. post on Facebook, but go make a positive contribution to the dialogue uh, by engaging and getting off the uh, off the sidelines. That is great advice. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. My guest is Jonathan Keller, the president of the California Family Council. Uh, Jonathan, getting back to California and some of the issues that are specific to our state. Uh, in our state, abortion is not going to be um, restricted. And uh, the governor came out today with a uh, pretty slick uh, commercial with governors of uh, Oregon and uh, Washington State. Did you see that? Uh, I don't know if you, you know, had a chance I, to I, see I, that today. They probably I, produced that in advance. Yet. Yeah, they probably produced that in advance because they got that fancy leak a few weeks ago. You know, it was all all done. But really um, showing that there would be solidarity in Western states, and like you said before, that California would be um, a a state, a um, uh, what did we call it? A, uh, you know, my, I'm forgetting the term now, but the type of state uh, 
that will really want you to come and have abortions. The mission of California oh. Family Council is advancing God's design for life, family, and liberty through California's church capital and culture, all of those things. What are some things that uh, believers should understand about the politics in California on this issue? Well, I think, again, if, uh, if people are just moving to the state of California, or maybe if they've never been that engaged in the past, um, it, it's difficult to really um, overstate just how aggressively pro-abortion California's legislature is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, truly, they are not just pro-choice, but right. some of the bills that have been introduced this year by Governor Newsom and but the legislature, we're talking about offering scholarships. I mean, literally, um, cash reimbursements to women to fly from across the country here to California and have abortions in the state of California. I mean, talking right. about taxpayer not money. providing the abortion. Yeah, yeah. And not just not just using taxpayer dollars to pay for the abortion itself, but actually paying for their airfare, paying for their hotel room, even paying them to take off time from work. I mean, there is a uh, I, I hate to be so extreme, but it really is kind of a fanaticism in yeah. its commitment to abortion. And I think that's just a reminder, though. Whenever we're looking at this, I want to bring it back to we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I mean, this yes. is a this is a spiritual battle, and I think we need to be focused on prayer. We need to be focused on even fasting and just really asking God to give us wisdom uh, just to love our neighbors, uh, even those who persecute us. That's right. You know, I think just following the Scripture and what Jesus told us to do is how we get into this. You're right. This is spiritual. California, sanctuary state, a sanctuary abortion state is what I was trying to say before. Um, it is very extreme. The The idea that our tax dollars are going to pay for abortion vacations, basically, uh, for people. Yeah. Uh, how many people, it's just another question, do you think people are really going to take us up on that in big numbers, or is a lot of these bills and stuff – are they political in nature where it's really about making sure we don't lose our base? I mean, how would you, you know, say that's that? That's a great question as well. Yeah, I, I'm I think curious. there's definitely kind of a virtue signaling aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. I mean, you can tell from some of the commercials they're producing, as you mentioned, uh, some of the press conferences and things. There is absolutely part of this that I think has to do with putting on a show. Yeah. Um, but I also think... Again, you mentioned the phrase putting our money where our mouth is as believers. Well, sadly, we're seeing the legislators do that very same thing. Um, I mean, in this case, unfortunately, they're putting our money where their mouth is. Um, They are using our money to fund their radical uh, radical agenda. Um, But I I spoke on a, a conference call earlier today with over 70 other state leaders from around the country, and I warned them that it's really going to be time for all of you around the country. Uh, you have to love your unborn citizens more than California uh, it loves providing abortions for them. Um, yes. You're going to have to uh, really be as committed to saving their lives and uh, welcoming them into life in Alabama or Texas or Florida as California is to flying them out here to California and ending their lives. Yes. So it, it really is going to be a battle. I mean, from state to state, 
we're going to see uh, this tug of war between the forces of life and the forces of death. And um, I know that I know that it's going to be a battle, but I am confident that God has a plan for us as we continue to fight in this fight. Yeah, I agree with that. In with the California Family um, Council, um, what are some ways that our listeners can connect with you and uh, some of the best ways to uh, stay on top of these issues and actually do exactly that, put our money where our mouth is? Well, I would say, number one, if you want to find out more, go to our website, californiafamily.org, californiafamily.org. We have a lot of information there up at the website. Um, We also, I'd encourage you, we're very active on social media. We know there are so many folks that are on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, We have a very active presence there. We're constantly posting videos, uh, interviews and uh, articles that we write. So you can just find us on any of those social platforms. If you just go on facebook.com slash California Family or any of these sites, you just search the phrase California Family Council and you'll be able to find us there. Um, I, I would say we are a nonprofit Christian ministry, so if you'd like to make a contribution, financial donation that's tax deductible, we, we of course would appreciate that and would value your support as we continue to stand for uh, life, family, and liberty here in California. Yeah, Jonathan, I know you have a very busy day, and you've done a lot of interviews, and uh, there's a lot of settling in that we're going to have to do kind of on this issue to to really understand uh, where and what the next steps are. But I am very grateful that you joined us today on Southern California Live, and uh, thank you for what you're doing with the California Family Council. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, I will say – just one closing comment. We did just have the California March for Life in Sacramento on the west steps of the Capitol just two days ago, uh, oh, June wow. 22nd. We, we had over a thousand people there. And if you go to our website and you go to those social media channels, you'll be able to see kind of our preview of what our plan is for this next year. The video is about to go live there later today. Uh, you'll hear from great speakers like Lila Rose, uh, David Delighton. Uh, State Senator Shannon Grove, uh, David B. Wright from 40 Days for Life. And I was privileged to be the master of ceremonies for that event. So, uh, again, I want to thank you for bringing attention to this. Thank you for the loving and uh, compassionate way that you're approaching this, because I think that's that's exactly the way that we need to uh, address this moving forward. Yep, I agree. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us today on Southern California Live. Great to hear from you. God bless. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right, my friends, that was Jonathan Keller, the president of California of the California Family Council. And um, he is uh, so right that the way we approach this matters. Uh, this is not uh, the end of the line at all on this. And I want to encourage everybody to uh, to love your neighbor. That doesn't mean that you agree with your neighbor on these things necessarily. But there is a way to approach these uh, issues that is loving. And we'll talk about this more as we come back. And we'll take your phone calls Right here on Southern California Live, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And I would encourage you to go to the uh, California Family Council website. It's californiafamily.org, and uh, check it out. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back with your calls and more in just a few moments. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today, Friday, 
June 24, 2022. We are, of course, talking about the abortion decision by the Supreme Court today overturning Roe versus Wade. And one of the things that I would point out right away is that we need to have the right perspective on what this actually means. And I've noted that a lot of us on the right or the left are are incorrect. Sometimes we're just wrong about some of the things that um, some of the takes that we have. Sometimes that's deliberately wrong. There's a political motivation going on, of course, um, for different things. And I think for many of us, we need to make sure that we understand that this change today doesn't outlaw abortion in California anyway. It does outlaw it in some states, at least for a while. Uh, but there's a lot of different things to go. What it does is it makes it very local. And this is the time, church, this is the time, like we've been saying, to there's probably a better phrase, but to put your money where your mouth is, that if you're on the side of, if you're anti-abortion, and I try to be careful to say anti-abortion and pro-abortion because otherwise you start talking about other things, if you are not in favor of the practice of abortion, then you you absolutely have to address the issues of crisis pregnancy, fatherlessness, um, promiscuity, um, fear, economic issues, issues of poverty. There's so many different things. Uh, adoption, you know, how are we doing? You know, if you really want to help with this, are you willing to adopt? Are you willing to support adoption agencies? Are you willing to support other families who are willing to adopt? You know, what is the extra step that we can do beyond the, the uh, legal rambling that goes on here. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557. Julian from Walnut, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, good afternoon. Um, Hi, Julian. I just wanted to let everybody know that, you know, we are battling not the fe- the flesh, like the gentleman said before us, but a lot of us are living in the state of California, are paying for those abortions that are being handled every day as we live day to day. So I just Hope everybody gets on their knees and prays for these little angels that are being taken away from us. Yes, thank you for that, uh, Julian. Thank you for your call. And I think that is one of the things that we need to make sure that we understand in this battle, especially in California. Our guest in the last uh, 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 segment, you know, shared just how extreme California is. That um, we are a state that is. Um, so far, you know, so far to the left, we're just off the cliff. I don't even know if it counts left. And I do think a lot of that is is spiritual. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Ephesians six twelve, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And the reason to keep that in mind is that when you're dealing with somebody who might disagree with you or have a different perspective or even just some nuance— you know, there's there are a lot of different points of view on this subject that are actually a big range. And, um, you know, you we all need to listen to each other. It's very personal, very intimate. And we also need to recognize, and I'll tell you something pastorally, you know, today, if you are championing this decision, for example, or if you are just angry about this decision and maybe you decide to post something on your Facebook or your Twitter or something, you need to keep in mind that people reading that have a very emotional and often personal response. Many of the people that you know, many of the people that you go to church with, have they themselves had abortions or they know people who have had abortions? and have a lot of feeling about that. 
um, often a lot of regret and pain about that. And in many, many cases, for a lot of you listening, it's a secret. And you've been carrying this burden with you for a long time. And so today is an emotional day. And, uh, you know, just be aware of that, that our job is to be ambassadors of Christ, to definitely speak the truth, to defend the life of the unborn, which I think is something we are called to do, to have to be a people of grace, to recognize that there is forgiveness, there is new life, to be a people who offer grace in personal sacrifice for other people. A lot of times a crisis pregnancy that would end an abortion is if you can take the crisis away, which might be a financial crisis or it's a fatherlessness crisis, um, if you take that crisis away, then the woman chooses to have the abortion or to have to give birth, I'm sorry, to give birth, uh, simply because that person was shown love, that person found out they're not alone, simply because that person found out that there are people who can help. And this is where the church has to get involved now. This is not the end of some 50-year battle. This is just a victory in one battle, and the battle has shifted into a new phase. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. Jack from San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. So um, the Constitution doesn't directly address the issue of abortion. So because of the Tenth Amendment, uh, I think the justices correctly decided that it should fall to the states to decide. So here's my question to you is, I've read the Bible. I don't believe it's directly addressed the issue of abortion. And so who does, um, since it didn't deal with it, who in the in biblical terms, the decision regarding a, abortion rests with who? The decision regarding abortion rests with whom? Is that what you're asking? Biblically well, speaking? Well, I'm showing you the Constitution yeah. says if it's, if it's not addressed in the Constitution, then it resorts to the states to decide. Right. So I'm saying, to my knowledge, the Bible does not address the issue of abortion. So according to the Bible, then the issue of abortion is decided by who? Okay. I understand your question. I appreciate that. Uh, Two points there. You're correct um, that uh, it becomes an issue of the state. So the issue from a legal perspective, is that it will be decided by the state legislatures um, and elected officials in the state, which uh, those people are elected by voters. So the change is nationally that people actually, voters, will have a say in whether or not their state uh, allows abortions or has some or many restrictions on abortions. That's something for the voters to decide. Biblically speaking, I would say this, that uh, well, the Bible doesn't specifically address abortion, you know, specifically. Most people would agree that the Bible clearly says that abortion or that the child in the womb um, is a human life. And you have to make some ethical decisions so that the person who ultimately makes the decision, uh, there's two, I would say, biblically. The, the Bible is very clear that the government is here, uh, ordained by God, to organize society, to even deal with moral decisions uh, to a certain degree, uh, especially decisions that have to do with life. Uh, so you're dealing with uh, murder laws. You know, it's it's not up to us just as citizens to catch a murderer and hold some kind of trial in our neighborhood and decide what to do with them. It 
is not up to us to um, find criminals who are destroying property or injuring people or doing other things and just have some sort of random approach based on whatever our community's moral standards are. There is a government that's established that probably represents the community's moral standards. So the government does have a role in deciding this. And the reason that this is different than the the gun decision that was made yesterday, for example, um, where um, the states, the Supreme Court essentially said the states do not have a right to to not allow people to bear arms. The reason is because it is specifically mentioned in the Constitution. So biblically speaking, and I think this is something that is good for us as believers to understand something. The most important decision is the decision that ultimately the woman makes or the man and woman might make together if they're having that conversation. We want to have a society where people would not choose abortion at all, whether it's legal or not. Uh, our goal should be that abortion is not simply illegal, but unthinkable. Does that make sense? That if people's hearts are in the right place, that there is an understanding that, hey, this we know scientifically it the unborn child is, today we know scientifically, a separate human being, has completely unique DNA. Even the placentia is the DNA of the baby, not the mom or the father. We know that it is that abortion is the extermination of life. Uh, these things are not disputable. The dispute is, does that person have a right, I would say constitutionally for the legal argument, but also biblically, a right to have a life? And it's very difficult from a biblical standpoint to suggest that the child, the unborn child, uh, is not loved by God, is not known by God, is not human being. Um. We see John the Baptist leaping in the womb when he hears the the announcement of uh, his cousin's birth, who would be Jesus, or, um, Mary's uh, pregnancy. We have the psalmist who is writing about how you knew me when I was in the womb and you knitted me together in the womb. It's very difficult to have a point of view scripturally that the child is not an individual made in the image of God who would not be covered by thou shalt not murder. Uh and those commands. That is important. I think there needs to be a lot of grace for situations that are hard, of course, life of the mother, rape and incest. We need to listen to those conversations. Or what about you know, children who are um, going to not survive anyway, right? You can get into some of that type of conversation, but those are very rare. The, the exceptions that people want to throw out there, you can have those conversations and ethical debates about them, but that's not the majority of abortions that are happening. The majority of them are people who are pregnant and didn't want to be, usually because they are having sexual relations outside of marriage, which is why there's no father. Um, there is, I mean, it's obviously a father, but uh, why the father is not part of that decision. Um, I think that's another part of the law that we need to be looking at. I think fathers, honestly, should be accountable for uh, impregnating somebody even if they're not married to them. This should not be a burden that just women have to bear. I think there are a lot of other conversations that we could be having. Uh, so I hope that answers your question. So yes, uh, as individuals um, before the Lord, we, we make the decision. Um, the state, I think, biblically can have a role. That's what they're there for. The Bible tells us the state is instituted by God. 
but I think individually we make a decision. So my goal, my my thought for the church, and we got to go to a break and we can take your calls in a minute, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557, is that our focus should not simply be the legalities of abortion. We need to help abortion become something that even if it is legal, like in California, that nobody would do it that it becomes something that is not supported by the way we think of life and our culture. You know, we need to think, you know, this is one of our problems. We're a culture of death, the increasing violence we have, the gun violence, all of these issues, the school shootings and everything. It comes down to a culture that is not valuing human life. And one of the big things about abortion is that right there, we are acknowledging today more than we did 50 years ago in a lot of ways that this is a life that this is a separate entity, a separate human being made in the image of God. And what we're saying in abortion in 2022 is that that person's life is not as valuable as what often is uh, the person who's already born. And what I would say is that we need to be speaking for those who don't have a voice because I'll bet those babies would like to be born. All right, we've got to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation, 888-528-2557. We'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Today is a, uh, it's not hyperbole, it suggests a very solemn moment. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people that it had already recognized. They didn't limit it. They simply took it away. That's never been done to a right so important to so many Americans. But they did it. Uh, Never been done. That was President Biden speaking today about the uh, reversal of Roe versus Wade. It's completely not true that the Supreme Court has never taken a right away. Um, and uh, I'll give you just a couple of examples of that. Plessy versus Ferguson on May 18, 1896, the Supreme Court ruled in the case of Plessy versus Ferguson that separate but equal facilities were considered sufficient to satisfy the 14th Amendment. Um, and this established a pattern in American society that was the Jim Crow laws and the separation of you know, everything from schools to transportation to drinking fountains between black people and white people in the United States. And that was not reversed until May 17th, 1954. So 58 years, uh, that decision uh, survived. And uh, you know what? The Supreme Court was wrong to decide that in 1896, and they were right to undecide that in 1954. And they took away the rights of people to segregate, the rights of people to not share things. There's plenty of examples of this. Dred Scott decision. Uh, The Dred Scott decision was ultimately overturned not by the court but by uh, the 13th and 14th Amendment after the Civil War. Uh, In the Dred Scott decision, Dred Scott had been a slave uh, and uh, he and his wife moved with their owner to uh, several free states, which legally they should have been sort of automatically freed. But for some reason, they never filled out the paperwork for that. And part of it was because they were uh, most likely illiterate um, and didn't have to. And their life was pretty good, relatively speaking. So they just didn't get around to it. But then uh, when uh, their uh, owner, to use a a terrible word, 
died. Uh, They went back to Missouri, and they were told they were still slaves. And the chief justice of the United States Supreme Court at the time, a guy named Roger Taney, um, he's best known for writing the majority opinion in Dred Scott versus Sanford, which said that all people of African descent, free or enslaved, were not United States citizens and therefore had no right to sue in federal court. Um, In addition, he wrote that the Fifth Amendment protected slave owner rights because enslaved workers were their legal property. Slave owner rights have been taken away in our country, just in case you didn't know that. And there are other rights uh, that have been taken away that you got to be a little more nerdy, I think, to uh, to track. But the Supreme Court really does uh, once in a while take away rights and once in a while reject decisions that it made in the past. And uh, it's really, really important. The contracts clause uh, has been something reversed if you're kind of into the legalities of different things like that. Um, the Fifth Amendment's public use clause, the right to earn a living. There's a lot of rights that have been reversed by the Supreme Court when they went back to the Constitution and they said, no, this decision by the Supreme Court is not constitutional after all. All right. The Supreme Court's the one who decides whether something is constitutional or not. And um, sometimes they decide something's constitutional and then we say it is, such as abortion, the right to abortion. But then the Supreme Court, like they did today, said, no, the Supremes got it wrong in 1973, and this right never existed. There's nothing in the Constitution specifically that gives a right to terminate an unborn child. And they gave it back to the states, which the Ninth and Tenth Amendments direct them to do, and now states will make that decision. That's the decision. And this is an area where you know people are kind of getting it wrong on all sides, is that uh, there's so much hyperbole about, uh, you know, Uh, the Supremes have wiped out abortion in the country. It's not true. Secondly, um, even on the right, that's something we should know, especially in California, is that the law hasn't changed here. Our approach to this subject has changed, and we better be paying attention to what's happening in Sacramento. There's a lot happening in Sacramento on this subject. Um, You know, President Biden also, another another thing that I'm going to say is very telling about this. In fact, there are studies that have shown that a lot of people's decisions, a lot of people's opinions about whether they're on the anti-abortion side or the pro-abortion side sometimes have a lot more to do with their left and right politics than their actual feelings about abortion. And there is a lot of left and right politics, a lot of fundraising. In fact, I've already gotten fundraising emails from both sides today trying to fundraise off of this issue and have no doubt politicians are making this an issue. President Biden also made it an issue in his speech today. Play clip two. Voters need to make their voices heard. This fall, we must elect more senators and representatives who will codify women's right to choose into federal law once again. Elect more state leaders to protect this right at the local level. We need to restore the protections of Roe as law of the land. We need to elect officials who will do that. This fall, Roe is on the ballot. Personal freedoms are on the ballot. The right to privacy, liberty, equality, they're all on the ballot. See, they're all on the ballot because until today, the other things on the ballot are inflation, incompetent governance, and uh, just a whole lot of bad stuff. And 
you know, most people have believed that November is going to be really bad for Democrats. It's usually bad for the party in power, the midterm elections. This year, some people were predicting an overwhelming red wave. And politically, something is needed to change. So there's a lot of politics about this. And on the right, we can get into the politics. I think we need to be in the issues on all, you know, on, on this if you're part of the, the church because we care about life. But don't be mistaken. There is a political agenda here uh, that has nothing to do with abortion. It has to do with power or keeping power or gaining power and uh, raising money. There are many different opinions about abortion. It's actually very nuanced. It's a very, um, when you're really talking with people, you know, one of the things I also find interesting is that the Supreme Court today, the decision they made actually does reflect the opinions of the American people. Poll after poll after poll and study after study. When you ask people, do you think Roe versus Wade should be overturned? They say the majority says no, but that's because the majority thinks that means outlawing all abortions. But when you actually get into it and you say, do you support abortions in the first trimester? Most people say yes. If you support it in second and third, most people say no. Do you support taxpayer funding of abortions? Most people say no, including in blue states. And so there's a nuance that we have to understand. And for us as the church, our approach to things has to be about people has to be about relationships. And when we are thinking about this issue or anything else, the relational approach matters. The relationships that you have with your family, the relationships you have with your neighbors, with your classmates, with your coworkers, uh, that's where the focus needs to be on how we approach this and how we are loving and representing Christ, where we can represent, hey, all people are made in the image of God. And, you know, most people, when they are surveyed and talked to, they don't really want to have abortions, even when they find themselves in a situation where they decide to have one out of convenience or out of fear or other things. It's not what most people want to, a position most people want to find themselves in. We need to live in that space and help change hearts. I think the reason that this decision happened today is not because of a bunch of legal scheming. I think it's because over the last 50 years, and especially the last 20 or 30 years, hearts have changed, and our attitude toward this has changed. I'm curious. I'm curious about you know all these protests and all the up in arms. We'll talk about it in the next hour. I'm wondering how many people are as upset. I know a lot of people are really upset. I'm not denying that, but I think it's less than maybe it would have been 20 or 30 years ago. I'm looking at the news, 500 people protesting in New York City. That's it, 500? That's not a lot. We'll talk about this more when we get back and take your your calls. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be right back. 